Jesus. So glad you live my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came, you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My death, you came.
Seek your way to ask for help. And we'll learn about you and who and what you can do in our midst. We move to thank you and the presence of your spirit. Jesus, this is our prayer. Say, Amen, our Father. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Hallelujah to Jesus. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Verse 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, so now the bracket is explaining something. Now, when, look at the previous verse again. The, the previous verse is saying that when he ascended, he led captivity captive. Now, that is a bit, and he gave gifts unto men. But that is a bit strange because how can God ascend? He's at the highest place, so there's no further place for him to ascend because there is nothing above him. So when the Bible is saying, where, uh, uh, he ascended, wherefore he seeth, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gift unto men. Now let's use NLT for this. So it's kind of strange. So it, it needed to be explained in the Bible because God cannot go high because there's nothing above God to go high to. Can I have an amen? So this is why the scripture says, when he ascended to the heights, he led captivity captive, or he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Maybe later on we'll explain what he led captivity captive means. He took those in Abraham's bosom to paradise. Hallelujah. And therefore, when we die, we go up. We don't go to Abraham's bosom in Hades. Hallelujah. Notice this. Notice that it says he ascended. This means that Christ first came down to the lowly world in which we live. So for him to have ascended, he must have first come, and he did come. He came to the earth to live, to heal, to preach, to teach, and to heal, and then to die for us. So the Bible is saying, notice that it says he ascended. This means that Christ first came down to the lowly world in which we live. What does verse 10 say? Amen. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Another version says that he might fill the entire universe with himself. This is, uh, yes. The same one who came down is the one who ascended higher that all the heavens 
uh, sorry, the same one who came down is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that his rule might fill the entire universe. Another version will say the entire universe with himself. So this is very, very powerful. This scripture is saying that Christ ascended. But what I want us to know is that even the Bible is making it very clear that there is nothing above him. So for him to have ascended, he must have first descended, led captivity captive, and then ascended. And then when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. And then he went up to the highest heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Amplify says, he who descended is the very same as he who also ascended higher than all the heavens. Higher than all the heavens. That's why it is very clear that he doesn't live in the universe. How can God live in the universe he created? So before the universe was created, where did he live? Because there was a time that there was no universe. So before the universe was, where was God? God was outside the universe. He who descended is the very same. So he who descended is the very same as he who also has ascended above all the heavens, above all the heavens, that he, his presence, well, he might fill all things, the whole universe from the lowest to the highest. What a blessing. I just wanted to just read this so that we all know clearly by scripture that there is none above Christ. There is nothing that can be above Christ. There is no place where you can go that is higher than Christ. He is God and we bless him and we worship him. Hallelujah. The power of thanksgiving and praise. Let's see if we can finish it today. Hallelujah. Praise and thanksgiving are one of the highest forms of prayer. You, so sometimes it's good to spend an hour praising and worshiping God. That, and then you finish prayer without asking him for a thing, a single thing. Oh God, I bless you. Oh God, I worship you. I magnify your name. You are faithful. You are great. Sing songs to him. Sing. Take uh, your YouTube Take a playlist, not just any songs, and play it out and worship God. Bless his name. Sing at home as if you are in church. Focus on him. What I do is I close my eyes. I sing. I worship him. I think about how good he is. I think about how great he is. I picture, not a human, I don't picture a face, but I picture how uh, the description of God in Revelation and Ezekiel, I picture a huge throne with, I just see God and Jesus. I, I write the name so that you don't have to see because no one can have seen God's face. And then worship him. Worship his majesty. See a small me kneeling down and seeing the big God as I'm singing these songs to him. Wow. It will take you straight to his presence right there because when you are worshiping him, you see that he is great. And sometimes praise and worship are enough. You don't need anything else like we will see. You don't even need too much prayer. When you are going through a major difficulty, you do all the prayers you can. After that, you start to praise God. You start to worship God because God is great. God is awesome. God is mighty. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. amen. So why should we praise and worship God? Number one, it is our duty as a priest 
and kings to praise God. Amen. Number two, we have what many others do not have. That's why we should praise God. Number three, because it is well with you. Number four, now it's well with you whether or not you feel like it. It is well with me whether or not I feel like it. Being it, it being well with me does not mean that I'm not going through some difficulties. It being well with me does not mean I'm not going through some challenges. But it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. Hallelujah. And we must thank God for that. Number four, be thankful and praise God because you believe he has heard your prayers. According to Mark eleven twenty four. Number five, in all things we must give thanks unto God. First Thessalonians, or the first letter to the church at Thessalonica, chapter 5, verse 18. What does it say? In everything, glory, 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 glory. In everything. But some have rewritten it and said, most of the time when your pocketbook is full of money, you should give thanks. Or most of the time, when everything is going hunky-dory, then we must give thanks. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, whether in good times, whether in bad times, no matter what you are going through, no matter what I'm going through, we must give thanks in all things, in everything. Everything means good, the bad, the ugly. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I said a lot about it. You can listen to it on Facebook, YouTube. I don't want to go too much into it since we want to finish. But in everything, it is the will of God that we must give thanks because God's will is good and perfect. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then what will happen? That ye may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God's will for you and I is good. God's will for you and I is acceptable. God's will for you and I is perfect. Therefore, you and I must give thanks in all things. Because when we give thanks to God in all things, God's plans for us will come to pass. God has plans of good and not of evil to bring you and I to an expected end. Am I saying something to somebody? So it means that in everything... We know that God's plans for us are good. We know that God will bring us to an expected end. In everything, we know that at the end of the day, the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God will be done in our lives. So we must thank God for it because God's will for us is good. Glory. God's will for us is acceptable. Hallelujah. God's will for us is perfect. And because of that, we must thank God because his will for us is guaranteed. Can I have an amen? Let's continue. Number six, for the cross. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Might be saved. Might be saved. The world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Because the Lord is good. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord, for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. 
For the Lord is good, for the Lord is good, and his mercies endureth forever. Hallelujah. Psalm 100 verse 1 to 5, read it when you go home. We've talked about it a lot. Psalm 50 verse 14. We need scriptures. We need to read it out regularly that God, you are good. You are, you are the good God. You are awesome. You are fantastic. Number nine. Jesus always gave thanks. Many times when he was performing miracles of provision, raising Lazarus from the dead, he gave thanks. Number 10, God created us for his pleasure. So we must sing to him. We must worship him. That was Psalm 95, verse 1 to 7, and Revelation 4, 11. Number 11, to show appreciation to God. We must praise thank and worship God, to show appreciation to God. Psalm 34 and verse 1. I will bless the Lord most of the time. I will bless the Lord when things are going well. I will bless the Lord when my pocketbook is full of money. No, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall most of the time be in my mouth. No. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So it means that it must be continuous, continually. We must be blessing, praising him all the time. His praise should be constant. As we are walking around, something nice happens. Oh, bless you, Jesus. I praise you. Oh, things went well at work. Oh, I praise you. Glory to God. Sometimes when I'm at work and there's something complex I'm trying to solve, and it's not able to be, and I, I don't know what to do. Father God, I pray that you give me the wisdom to solve this. Then I'll continue to just figure it out, and it's figured out. Because, and then what do you do? I will bless the Lord at all times. Lord, I bless you. I thank you. You've come home from work. Thank you, Lord. I bless you. I worship you. Because many people go and don't come. I remember many years ago, I saw a car burning. I think a truck had hit the, the, the car burning. I mean, so many people go out and don't come back. So when you and I go and come back, Father God, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you're giving me life. Thank you for extra health. Thank you for health. Some people go to the hospital, come back, and their lives are changed. But I'll bless you. I bless the Lord. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Number 12. God does not like it when we are not thankful. And we talked about the 10 lepers. Number 13, for prosperity, the ark. Let's look at 2 Samuel 6, verse 5 to 12 quickly. And then we will continue. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 5 to 12. In Hebron, yes, and David and all the house of Israel played in fact, let's use NLT for this. They played. So you can, you can imagine how common it was when they are playing, they are dancing, and yeah. David and, all the, David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all their might, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments. And it goes on, continue, verse 6. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nakon, the oxen stumbled. 
And there's also a reason for the oxen stumbling. God told them to build the ark, not the ark itself, but the, what holds the ark in a certain way so that it will never stumble. But they missed a few things. And Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark of God. So he was trying to help. Think about it. He was trying to help. <laughs> then the Lord's anger, because God has spoken and he will not disannul it. Now, no one can touch it except for the Levites, the, the ironic priests, the Levites. No one can touch it. Then the Lord's anger blazed. Hey, may God's anger never blaze upon you and I <laughs> in Jesus' name. Then the Lord's anger blazed upon, out against Uzzah for doing this. And God struck him dead beside the ark of God. Hey. David was angry because the Lord's anger had blazed out against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzzah, which means outbreak against Uzzah. It is still called that today. David was now afraid of the Lord and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. He took it instead to the house or the home of Obedidom of Gath. I guess the Gittites are from Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there with the family of Obedidom for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obedidom's house and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark to the city of David. Oh, yes, I'll do the same. With great a great celebration. Yes. Uh, we wait here. After the men who were carrying it had gone six steps, they stopped and waited so David could sacrifice an ox and a fatted calf. Think about it. It's a long journey. Obedinam's house to the city of David, Bethlehem. Or Jerusalem, rather. City of David, Jerusalem, even though uh, David was a Bethlehemite because Jesse from Bethlehem, because Bethlehem is where the Christ should be born. Am I saying something to somebody? So David told them, as we are going, I want you to know the decree of I, King David. One, two, three, four, five, six. Stop everything. Stop the procession. Stop the drumming. Take, put me down because you are carrying me. Stop everything. We are going to sacrifice an ox and a fatted calf. So every six steps from the time they got it from Obedidon's house all the way till they got to the city of David, they sacrificed every six steps. No wonder David was the man after God's own heart. Many people will not be happy with it. But David said, this is what we are going to do. One thing I've said that I'll do, I said it, and I told God, I still remember it. When we get to a certain point, we almost did it when I was in uh, Minneapolis, but we'll do it. Where we would have perpetual worship 24-7. So there'll be a place, like the upper room or whatever it's called, there'll be a place where we'll just come and worship God. David did that. Perpetual worship. He, Every second, there was someone worshiping God. Even if it's two or three people who do that. Hallelujah. Because God deserves it. Amen. 
verse 14. And who oh, glory. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly tunic. So David and all Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with much shouting and blowing of trumpets. So all, we said a lot last week, but what I wanted to add is very important, which is that the ark of the covenant is where the presence of God dwelt. Of course, that was not the only place the presence of God dwelt. Even the heavens of heavens cannot contain him. But that was a special place where God's presence was. Can I have an amen? So it brought about a blessing. And when the presence of God was in it, Obedidon's house was blessed. And there was dancing, shouting, jubilating, praising, worshiping God as they had the ark. So it means that when the presence of God is with you, you need to be dancing. When the presence of the Lord is with you, you need to be praising. When the presence of the Lord is with you, you need to be jumping and jubilating. Why? The Bible says... Oh, God, who inhabits the praises of Israel. Hallelujah. And you and I are the Israel of God. The Bible says in Galatians that to the church, we are the church. Who are the Israel of God? So God inhabits my praises. God inhabits your praises. Hallelujah. Amen. Number 14. It will make you one of God's favorite children. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 5. How many want to be one of God's favorite children? God has favorites. He is no respecter of persons. What does it mean for God to have no respect of persons? It means that David was chosen by God and special to God. Jacob and Esau, God loved Jacob and loved Esau less. Sometimes when the Bible says hate, it, you have to find out. That's why the concordance is important. What does it mean? Does it mean hate, hate? Or he means like so less that it is as if it is indifference or like hate. So when the Bible says, if any man come after me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, and his own life besides, he cannot be my disciple. When you look at that word, hate, it is love so much less that it is almost as if it is indifferent. Or you love someone so less in comparison to the other that it is as if you don't love them at all. How many are getting what I'm saying? So in the same way, you and I must see, when the Bible talks about hate, it means something. Amen? So God wants us to love him unconditionally. And the Bible says that God loved Jacob, but loved Esau so much less. Why? Why was Jacob chosen, even in, from the mother's womb? Because God, of course, he knows the beginning from the end. That's a, another message. Number two, David. He loved David. He loved David. Now, why did God choose these people? What makes God choose certain people and not? Does that mean that God has, uh, uh, God has respect of persons? No. God is no respecter of persons. It means that all the people God was close to, 
the first did the maiden effort. Draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. So you and I need to make the effort to draw near to God. And when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see the great sight, then God called Moses. Can I have an amen? So you see that God waits. When we make the effort, then he does something. Even for God to, to work in us. Look at uh, Philippians chapter 2, and then we'll come back to this. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. I always keep mixing 13 and 14, but let's see if I got it right. Okay, 13. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So you see that it is God which worketh in you. So it is God who works in our hearts and in our minds to will and to do. To will to please him and to please him. It is God. Then the Bible says, draw nigh to me, and I will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Philip, uh, that's in James chapter, uh, someone get that. I think it's James chapter 4 or 5. Let me get this. Hallelujah. James chapter 4, verse 8. Okay. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. So he's no respecter of persons. Why? Because it is those who draw near to him that he draws near to. The Bible says, search for me. God said, search for me with all of your heart, and you will find me. It is when we search for him with all our hearts that we find him. Draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to thee. Now, Psalm 64. Verse 2. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. How many are hearing the word? Psalm 65, verse 4. Blessed is the man or woman whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. So the Bible is saying, blessed is the person or man whom God chooses and God causes to approach unto him. That he may dwell in thy courts, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. This is very important because the Bible is saying that the person who God chooses and causes that person to draw near to him is blessed. So you still see that you and I need to make the effort. Because look at it in NLT. The one who you choose and you cause to approach. So there must be an approaching before God approaches. What joy for those who choose to, who, what joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts, what joy awaits us inside your holy temple? Look at ESV. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. NESV. You understand why I'm getting the different versions? Because King James and NESV, you see that it's, it's different. What, what is being said here, there's a loss of what we are trying to find when you read the other versions. 
and I'll explain why, but we'll go in more detail later. NASB, please. New American Standard Bible. The most accurate translations of the Bible are King James and NASB. Hallelujah. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your court, which shall be satisfied with the goodness of your heart. So you see that there is a bringing near that God does. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Now, why is King James and NESB the most accurate? Have I mentioned it already? Or should I mention it? Okay. And ESV is the third most accurate. Why is King James? Now, NASB, there's what we call interpretive translation and word-for-word translation of the Bible. But the most accurate, which we don't read, is the interlinear. That's the most accurate. But you don't understand what is being written. Now, I'll explain. Interlinear is if the Greek or the Hebrew says something, it's directly translated into English, those words. But the way the English language is, and some of the languages, if you read the interlinear, God loved so well, gave only begotten son, perish whoso, you understand it, because it's, where to, you understand, it's translated directly. But the, the King James and the NESB, they are word for word translation, but with the English language uh, 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 rules of translation so that you can understand what it said. But when you read NESB, it's a bit hard to understand. That's why people don't really, not hard to understand, but it, it's the best of the translations with King James. King James is the King James English. But when you read the other ones, scholars come together to try to figure out what the Greek is saying or the Hebrew is saying, which is also good. So a lot of them, they read each verse and then they decide on what the English translation will be. So once in a while, you miss certain things in it, even though it's still good. I mean, it's enough. Hallelujah. But you miss certain things. So many people have tried to have revised standard version, different versions to try to make the, the reading easier for people. Hallelujah. Because, and, and, and the NESB has something over the King James in that the King James version was, uh, 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 was translated based on the most, uh, the most uh, how do I say it, the oldest most reliable translation at that time. You know, they have things like uh, uh, um, uh, uh, codex, uh, uh, there are different uh, Vatic, uh, 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 different in, in words, I might butcher it, so I'll, I'll not say it here. But the NESB was able to find, uh, they were able to find an, an, an earlier manuscript, manuscript that was used for the NESB. Hallelujah. So that's why, does that make sense? Did I explain the world? Or maybe we'll go into it another time. Hallelujah. Yeah, but all I'm trying to say is that there are over 5,000 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament now. And the Old Testament, there are many translations. And then they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, which which are the oldest translations of the Old Testament ever found. You have every single book of the Old Testament apart from the book of Esther in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And these are like dating way back. And that authenticated the Bible because the Bible they had, when they had the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were able to replicate all the Old Testament apart from the book of Esther from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Fantastic. Hallelujah. Now the Greek New Testament has over 5,000 manuscripts all in agreement, all saying the same things. 
Hallelujah. So they have some, and then they discovered even newer ones after the King James was written. But when I say newer ones, older manuscripts that were older, they discovered some of them after the King James was written, and that's where NESV comes in. Hallelujah. So the older the manuscript, the more better, even though all of them are saying the same thing apart from a few variants. Because remember that the scribes wrote it. I need to teach on this soon about uh, uh, when we come to um, apologetics or some of the stuff we can teach on um, the Bible and the canon and the authenticity of the Bible and different religions. How many will be interested in some of that? Yeah, we'll go over it. Where we talk about Jehovah's Witness, we talk about Mormons, we talk about uh, uh, Hindus, we talk about uh, uh, Muslims and Christian, Buddhists, all of them. Hallelujah. We'll do that soon. Amen. But such a thing, we cannot do it on Sunday. We'll have to do it. Uh, we'll have a, a different day to do it because it's a lot of information. Okay. So what were we talking about? Let's look at Psalm, no, First Kings 15, 5. 1 Kings 15, 5. Because David did, did that which was pleasing. Let's look at verse 1. Let's start from verse 1. Now David was so pleasing to God that it caused God to do something special. David. Now, in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat reigned Abijam over Judah. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Makha, the daughter of Abishalom. Verse 4. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord did the Lord his God give him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem. Verse 5. Because David, because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save one save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. So what the Bible is saying is that David's descendants did evil before God. But they, God wanted to leave a light in Jerusalem because of David and because of his promise to David that, that the Messiah will come through David. Hallelujah. And then that the scepter will not depart from uh, 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 Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until the Messiah comes. So meaning that there will always be a light for David. That's what God's promise because of how David pleased him. Am I making sense? So because of that, God did not allow everything to be taken away from David's house, even though they sinned against God. And that was because God pleased David pleased God because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that God commanded him all the days of his life, save in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now for many of us, it's save the matter of whatever it is. There's always a save. Am I saying something to someone? You and I always have save. So in heaven, oh, David or oh, Michael or whoever, Pleased God in all the things they did, save the situation. But that situation is wiped out. Why do I say that? There are also other versions which we'll talk about, which said David pleased God and God tried his reins and David did everything perfect in the sight of the Lord and he did not add the Uriah the Hittite. Yes. Oh, I thought you put your hands together for Jesus. He forgets all the negatives you do. Now, Acts chapter 13, verse 22. 
Now, we all know what David did. Many of the Psalms will be attributed to David. Many of the Psalms, as the deer panted for the water, so long get my soul after thee, Lord, I thirst for you. Many of the Psalms were attributed to David. David wrote most of the Psalms. Moses also wrote Psalm 90. Hallelujah. Psalms of Korah, different people. But David wrote most of the Psalms. Now, the Bible is saying in Acts chapter 13, Verse 22. And when he had removed him. Now let's look at 21 to find out. But it's 22 we are looking for. And afterward they desired a king. And God gave unto them Saul the son of Sis. A man of the tribe of Benjamin. By the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him. When God had removed Saul. He raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. So you see that David pleased the Lord so much. David honored the Lord so much. David worshipped the Lord. David praised the Lord. David honored God so much that God testified that David was a man after his own heart. God is no respecter of persons. If you and I are people who worship God, we praise God, God will make us one of his favorites. David was clearly God's favorite. Now, remember that for me, when I think of David, I think of worship. When I think of David, I think of praise. When I think of the name King David, it is only about worship, praise. Because David was a worshiper. He was someone who sang. I'm not just talking about living the life of worship. Worship is a lifestyle. Not just worshiping as a way of life. What is worship? Placing great worth on God. David was not just a worshiper, but he was a singing person. He was someone who sang. Psalms are songs. He sang psalms to the Lord. He blessed the Lord as the deer panted after the water. Lord, I thirst for you. He sang to God. He danced before God. He praised God. He did everything to show God that, look, I'm a man who loves you, God. I'm a man. Lord, Lord, I want to be in your presence. When he sinned, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David was someone who loved God with all his heart. That's why he was known as a man after my own heart. Look at this in NLT, a man after God's own heart. So I want to encourage you, when you are a worshiper of God, you'll be one of God's favorites. You'll be one of God's favorites. And when you're one of God's favorites, you can't die easily. Yeah. John, the revelator, was one of Jesus' favorites, God's favorites. That he was so close to Jesus that he was able to rest on Jesus' shoulders. He was so close to Jesus that even Peter said, Ask him, ask him, who will betray, who will betray him? Yes. When Peter was, <clears throat> when Jesus was about to be taken up in John, the gospel of John, Peter, Jesus said, when you were young, you could go wherever you wanted to. But when you are old, people will hold you and carry you away and you will not be able to go where you want to, meaning that you will be crucified. Then as God told Peter this, Peter asked God, of course, God, I'm talking about Jesus, asked God, what about John? What will happen to John? Because they knew that he was a, a, a favorite of Jesus. Then Jesus said, don't worry about John. 
Even if I determine that John will tarry till I come, what does that have to do with you? So it was a saying till the, the end that John will not die. But John, they tried to kill him. They killed, the, the, all of them were martyrs. When it came to the, uh, John the Revelator, what, did he, what happened to him? They put him in boiling oil. He couldn't die. Boiling oil. He couldn't die. So they banished him to the Isle of Patmos where he wrote Revelation. They banished him. And he lived a long life because he was one of God's favorites. David was a favorite of God. When you are a favorite of God, you cannot die. Yes, a man after my own heart. NLT says, but God removed him from the kingship and replaced him with David. A man about whom God said, David, the son of Jesse, is a man after my own heart. For he will do everything I want him to. Because he's a man after my heart, he will do it. He will do it. When you are a person after God's own heart, whatever God puts in your heart to do, you will do it. David was a man after God's own heart. That's why he said, I've worshipped God. Look at a nice house I have built for myself. I cannot sit down for God to be in tents, tents and in, 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 in just being carried around. I want to build you a house. So he told his pastor, look, I want to build God a house. I want to do something for God. And then God in response, said that, look, you think I need a house? Even the heavens of heavens cannot contain me. How can you build me a house? But nevertheless, I'll let you build a house. But not you, but your son. I'll let you finance it. But for you to have this thought in your heart, for you to have this thought in your mind that you want to build me a house, because of this love you have for me, I will establish your kingdom forever. The Mashiach will come from your line. You, your, 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 your kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, which will have no end. Wow. Then David fell down and said, who am I? Who is my father? Wh what have I done to deserve, to deserve this honor you've given to me? But all God said was, look, you are a man after my heart. Because of the kind of love you have for me. Because of the kind of worship you give me. Wow. So, I, I want to be known by God, not as some person who believes in miracles, but a man who loves God. A man who worships him. A man who worships him. And the other. That, those are secondary. Amen. The other. Next verse, or next number 15. It delivers you from depression and heals you. It delivers you from depression and heals you. It's twofold. Many who are depressed listen to music, listen to worship music, and it relieves them. But sometimes it comes back. Then it relieves them as they sing, then it comes back. Then it relieves them as they sing, and it comes back. Why? Because the only thing that drives these things away is what? The word. So mixing the word of God and music and worship and praise will smash out every kind of depression. Yes, we know that it's a chemical imbalance, but God is the great God. Hallelujah. Some are an imbalance. And you need medication for it. Some 
are demonic. Hallelujah. But God is able to make all things beautiful. Amen. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 to 3. The spirit of the Lord God, this is a sign of the Mashiach to come. And that's why Jesus read it when he first appeared. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good things unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. Meaning that beauty for ashes. What does it mean when the Bible says beauty for ashes? It means that ashes, when you are mourning in those days, there'll be ashes. You put ashes on yourself, shave your head, sackcloth, and ashes. So instead of mourning and pain and difficulty and just misery, there will be what? Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The what? Oil of joy for mourning. So those who are mourning, who are sad, God will give them the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise. There you go. For the spirit of heaviness. So when the spirit of heaviness comes and people are sad and people are heavy, the spirit of heaviness, sometimes you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where the depression comes from. You don't know where the heaviness comes from. You don't know where the sadness comes from. You just see that you are sad. You are weak. You are miserable. Oh, I'm sad. Let me lie down in bed. Let me coil. Let me be miserable. Let me cry. Oh, God, I'm crying. Let me be sad. How many have coiled in the bed? Yes. But the Bible says that in, to replace this spirit of heaviness is the garment of praise. Oh, am I preaching to somebody? I said the garment of praise. It means that God wants us to be people who praise him. As you and I praise him, as the praises go up, what happens? The glory comes down. As the praises go up, God himself comes. And when God, when God comes, the spirit of heaviness has to give way. That's why when the king saw was possessed by an evil spirit or the spirit of heaviness, the spirit that caused him to lose his mind, what happened? The harp was played. They sent for David, skilled in music because he was a psalmist. He was a worshiper. As David began to play the harp, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord came and drove out the evil spirit. When Isaiah was going to prophesy, to Ahab and, and, and Jehoshaphat, I believe, at least the king, when he was about to prophesy, they came to him and said, I want you to tell me about the war. What's going to happen? Isaiah, uh, uh, Elijah said, if it was not for Jehoshaphat, I'll not see your face. But nevertheless, bring a harp. As they began to minister, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and began to prophesy. So there is something about music that drives away evil. There is something about praising God and blessing him and singing to him. We are talking about singing to him. 
the garment of praise. I said the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may, might be called the tree of righteousness. The tree of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. So the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise. Now the garment of praise is like, like a, 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 an, a, something you put on the head as a symbol of praise as a symbol of release. Look at this in NLT, verse 3. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. So you and I must praise him. When you are sad, dance to him. When you are sad, dance before the Lord. When you are sad, praise him. I'm, I'm going to dance and praise him. Yes. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give beauty for ashes. Joy instead of mourning. Praise instead of despair. Yes, you praise God, but as you praise him, as you sing to him, I said, as you sing to him, as you praise him, all the things will drop off, and then you'll be a person who will be praising him. Why? Because of what he has done for you. Because of the good things he has done. So I want to encourage us to know that as we praise God, everything will be well. To console, to console, to comfort, to appoint those who mourn beauty and ornament for ashes on head as a sign of humiliation, filthy, loathsome worthiness. Meaning that there will be beauty instead of ashes. Bless you. The oil of joy, there will be rejoicing, there will be gladness for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or despair. The spirit of despair. The spirit of despair. May you and I be released from the spirit of despair. May none of us be depressed. How many can see that sometimes it's something that comes upon you and you cannot control it? Yes. The word of God is what will solve that problem. And praise. But many people just praise and sing and it goes away because it has to go but it can come back again why does it come back again because the light that dispels the darkness was not enough inside did you get that the light that dispels the darkness was not enough inside what am i saying look at john chapter 1 verse 1 to 4 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness. The light shineth in the depression. The light shineth in the despair. The light shineth in the difficulty. Glory to God. And the darkness or the depression or the despair could not withstand it. Then verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 14. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word became flesh. 
So it means, and that word became flesh is Jesus. I don't know I'm preaching to somebody. So it means that the word of God, it dispels anything dark, anything evil, anything depressing, anything with a problem, it dispels it. So you and I, anytime there is an issue, get the word in and then make sure you have your prayer shoes on. Oh, glory. I said, get your prayer shoes on. What is your prayer shoes? You are dancing to the Lord. You are praising him. You are giving him glory. And God will bless you. Oh, hallelujah. Number 16. When you praise God in the midst of storm, it promotes you. Oh, glory. Job. We read from Job 1, 20 to 22. Let's see. And then Job 42, 10 to 17. What does Job 1, 20 to 22 say? Job chapter 1, verse 20 to 22. Then Job arose and rent his mantle after he found out that his children had died, he lost everything. Then he arose after hearing all these things and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and what? Cried and said, God, you are, you are not good to me. No, he worshipped. The patience of Job, verse 21. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. True. And naked shall I return thither. True. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He also praised by saying that. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So what he was saying was that the kids, are, are, they, are, they are from God, and he gave them to me to look after. I looked at them, all the businesses God gave to me. The Lord gave them to me, and the Lord decided to take them. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Job, of course, he is someone we need to learn from. Because it's not something that you just easily just do and clap. Hallelujah. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. And then God blessed Job in everything. Hallelujah. Now, let's get to the... I will just touch on one. Let's get to... How praise and worship gives us victory. How does praise and worship, how, how is praise and worship an, a, a weapon, a strong weapon? How is praise and worship one of the strongest weapons that is so powerful that even prayer, even prayer, when you have prayer alone, is different from when you have prayer with praise. Totally different. Let's look at, there are four examples. Let's look at the first. Acts chapter 16. In fact, I'll state it and we'll continue next week, God willing. At least we've gotten to the uh, uh, latter part. This is the key part. Acts 16, 16 to 25. We'll use NLT for this. And it came to pass. Waiting for NLT, please. <clears throat> One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed along behind us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, 
And they have come to tell us how to be saved. So she was speaking the truth in a way, but if an evil spirit is speaking the truth, there's some lie about to come or a lie inside. She followed along behind us shouting, these men are the servants of the most high God, and they have come to tell us how to be saved. This went on days after day until God, Paul got so exasperated that he turned and spoke to the demon within her. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, he said, and instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were, not, were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted. They are teaching the people to do things that are against Roman customs. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. King James says to hold them firm. So, they, so he took no chances but put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. I mean, inner dungeon and secured their feet in chains. Around midnight, glory to God, like the midnight hour in someone's life. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, oh glory, there was a great earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. This is very significant. We'll continue next week, Godwin. But what this is saying is that they were in jail. They were in the innermost dungeon of the jail. Their feet were secured with no hope of escape. Then Paul and Silas, with their backs bleeding, began to sing and to praise the Lord as they were praying. So the Bible says they prayed and, let's look at verse 25 or 24, wherever it says, they were, they, as they were praying and singing psalms. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So it was at the point of praying and singing hymns. What does King James say? Then suddenly. So the power of praise kicked in and the power of God just broke loose the prison doors as they were praising God. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God and the other prisoners heard them. And then suddenly. So there is something about being in the midst of storm, being in the midnight hour, being in the difficulty and you are praying and you are praising and you are worshiping God. You are singing psalms to God. There is something that happens that produces a loosening of any problem. The Bible says the prison doors, the foundation, so the foundation of the problem. Who oh, did you hear what I was saying? I said the foundation of your problem. I said the foundation of your problem will be shaken. And immediately, the doors of liberty will be opened and everyone's bands, everyone's chains were loosed. I see your chains being loosed. I said, I see your chains being loosed in the name of Jesus as you praise the Lord. Everyone's bands were loosed. 
As you and I speak to the Lord, as you and I praise the Lord, I tell you that the foundation of the problem will be shaken. I'm telling you. So there is something about praising God, not just praying. You've prayed, but there is something. You see, as we continue with the, the, the other three, it will be very, very clear that it is not just prayer. But when you are in the midnight hour, yes, you've prayed, but there is something you need to do more. As you are praising God, as you are thanking God, God, I bless you. I thank you. Let me give you one example, and I will continue. There was a man in the olden days, in the olden times, in the 1930s, 40s, there was no drug for tuberculosis. There was no antibiotic until the days of antibiotics. So, <laughs> so when you have tuberculosis, now, many months of antibiotics will cure it. But in those days, it was a death sentence. Very, very little survival. So there was a man of God who was diagnosed with tuberculosis, and he got many of the men of God to pray for him. Many, the pastors, the church members pray. You go and visit the church, and you ask how many will pray for me. They prayed for him. They were constantly praying for him, constantly praying and praying and praying and praying, no hope. Then he became, came worse, and the doctors gave him up for dead. Go to your family house in the, uh, in, in the rural areas where you live. Go there and be comfortable as you die. <laughs> so the man went, and he became weak. All the people of yesterday, yesteryear, who were healers, or God healed through prayed for him, no results. No results. Church prays for him, no results. So many prayers, no results. That won't happen. Then as he was there crying and ready to die, couldn't walk anymore. Couldn't talk. Couldn't talk, couldn't walk. He was bed fast, but he could move a bit. Then he said, all these people have prayed for me. No results. The church is praying for me. No results. What am I going to do? I have no hope now. Then he remembered Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Then he said, this means that I must praise God and thank God. I've prayed enough. Now I must praise and thank God for my healing. Because I've prayed for months from diagnosis one till now. When I'm ready to die, I'm almost dead I can't speak any longer. I'm hemorrhaging from the lungs. <laughs> bleeding. Bleeding from the lungs. Bleeding. When he coughs blood. Bleeding from the lungs. No hope. No hope. Then he said, why don't I try this? Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Then he started, oh God, I praise you. He couldn't speak. Lord, I praise you. I thank you. Thank you for my healing. Lord, I praise you. I worship you. I praise you. Thank you for my healing. He couldn't speak. Then he said, I'm going to crawl all the way to the bush. And I'm going to continue to praise you there, O oh God. If you don't heal me, I'll die and the bastards will lead the family to me. So he began, Lord, I praise you. I thank you. I praise you. Thank you for healing. Then his voice became louder. Became louder. Then he started to praise and then he started to stand and jump and praise God. Until completely healed of TB with no antibiotics. Because of the praise and the worship, he began to praise God. God, I praise you. I bless you. Then the family members, what's going on? Whose voice is this? He cannot speak. When they went there, he was jumping and praising God. And that was his deliverance. That was his deliverance. As you and I praise and thank God, 
God will give us the victory. I'm not out of word. I'm just out of time. Shall we stand to our feet? We'll finish next week, God willing. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. You can put your hands together for Jesus, for healing, and for the praise cure. The praise cure. Let's bless him and thank him. Let's honor the Lord. Let's honor him and give him praise. Let's worship him, for he is good, and his mercies endureth forever. His truth endureth to all, all generations. Father God, we bless and worship you. We honor you. If we are watching or we are here and we don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, if we know in our hearts that we are far away from God, if we know in our hearts that if we die today, we do not know whether we will go to heaven or hell, but we want Jesus Christ to save us. We want Jesus Christ to come and be the Lord of our lives. If you want Jesus Christ and you want to be born again, then I want us to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life. Please forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Father God, we bless you and we thank you for all those who have surrendered to you, Lord Jesus. Keep them and preserve them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, uh, today we will partake of the communion. Hallelujah. Before we take our seats. Sorry, before we take our seats. Can we stand for the communion? Thank you. <laughs> the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, Verse 4 and 5. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we as sheep have gone astray, verse 6. Each man has gone his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then the Bible says, Apostle Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which also he hath delivered unto me. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me.
After the same manner also, he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood for the remission of your sins. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Father God, we give thanks and we bless the body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. On the hill far away stood an old ragged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best. So we'll take it sinners was slain yes. so I'll cherish the old ragged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, which was broken for me by his stripes, I am healed, the body of Jesus Christ. blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, which was shed for me for the remission, for the forgiveness of my sins, the blood of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Father God, we thank you for the body 
of Jesus Christ our Lord and the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you for healing every sickness, every disease that is amongst us and those watching. For your word says, by your stripes we were healed. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. May we serve you and live for you. We apply the blood of Jesus Christ over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We may take our seats. Hallelujah. It's time for us to give to the Lord. We can receive the Hallelujah. Thank you. The usher can take from the people. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. <clears throat> Ways to give. It's time for us to pay our tithe. I always say tithe is paid, offerings are given. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage us to pay our tithe, amen, because it is something that God expects us to do. We all know from Malachi <clears throat> and what Jesus said, hallelujah, tithe you ought to do, not neglecting the other undone. So I want to encourage you without, uh, in, uh, without much to be said that let's pay our tithe to the Lord. Tithe is 10% of our increase, and God promises to multiply, multiply, multiply as we give our offering, secure our finances. Hallelujah. I did a study on the Malachi, and it talks about the rebuke. He, God will rebuke the devourer and prevent the devourer from eating our goods, and he will bless us with a blessing and that blessing is not just financial but more than finances and then as we give our offering he blesses and increases it father god bless our tithe and our offering in jesus name amen so you can, these are the ways to give given to me for the blessings that i cannot see thank you lord Thank you, Lord. With a grateful heart, with a song of praise. With an outstretched arm, I'll bless your name. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Is everything okay with the keyboard? Okay, let's play one of the songs. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> okay. Just one, and then we can pray. Please sing so that we can pray. Jehovah <laughs> Jireh. My provider, his grace is sufficient for me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He will give his angels charge with me. 
talking if i let me just go over uh, a part of the announcements and then we would <coughs> and then i'm sure uh, sister emma will just touch on it but before then god bless you all online i want to say god bless you god keep you god protect you and all of us here god protect you god bless you god keep you god preserve you may this week be blessed May next week be blessed. May we have favorable times. In Jesus' name, shalom, shalom.